0: Turn your Bibles to Exodus 16. This morning we're going to be talking about our hearts, our frustrations, our complaints, our burdens, and how it's connected to our faith and trust in God's provision. So remember where we are. If you've slept since last Sunday, our people, um, the Israelites, God's people are free. And so now there's no Pharaoh, but they're dealing with themselves. And so they are not in Egypt right now in the chapters that we're in. This is such an awesome, beautiful picture of life. If you are one of those people who like to reflect and kind of see what's going on in your own life, in the world, you can just see so much of it in Exodus. I was talking to my brother Brent just this weekend. I was like, man, this this is a book on like leadership and family and faith and, and all of those things. Like everything stands out to me in just the daily walk of being a believer. And Exodus 16 is exactly that. And so what we see is we have no more enemy. There is no more chains. Pharaoh is gone. These people are free but now the enemy is themselves. Hang on that They're not dealing with like a man and a whip. They are dealing with just them. It is themselves that they battle. And, and I think that is fascinating to our human condition. So look at Exodus 16. We're going to read the first 16 verses. And so we're not going to jump to any other verses um, in, in the Bible. We're going to John at the very end. So just kind of camp out. Have your Bibles open. I want you to See God's Word. It says, They journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt, they did this. Then on the whole congregation of the children of Israel, highlighted, highlight two, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And so what was the message last week, church? Do you remember it? Were you here? How does man go from complaining and screaming to singing? Like, how is that possible? And what we say, with a fixation, a fixation on salvation, is that possible? And But what happens? We moved past freedom. We moved past Pharaoh. We moved past the Passover. We moved past the seas being split and what happens to man. They go right back to complaining, right? It's like clockwork. And the children of Israel said to them, "Oh that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full." For you have brought us, this is what they say to Moses, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Ungrateful people, right? You see this? Last week they were all up in arms and just singing, God is good, Moses has helped us. And now they're like, you brought us out here to die. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. Highlight this, please, church, that I may test them. It's important. I will rain bread. I will rain down my provisions. Why? Because I love these people, but why? That I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall be prepared, in which I bring in. And they shall be twice as much as they gather daily on that day. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of this land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we, this is what Moses said, but what are we that you complain against us for? Also, Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and the morning bread to be full. For the Lord hears your complaints. He cares, church, which you make against him. But once again, what does Moses and Aaron say? And but what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but they're against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for He has heard you and your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying this, at twilight, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So for God's people, what does the Lord say? What does Moses tell him through Aaron? He said, man, when you see salvation, when you see miracles, when you see provisions, I will get the glory because you will know that I am good, that I hear, that I care, that I provide. And when I bless, you will know, Right? That's the whole book of Exodus for God's glory. That is the whole book of Exodus for God's glory. Verse 13, a few more verses, church. So it was that the quails came at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all over the ground. And when the layer of dew drift lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Hang with me. They said, What is that on the ground? He says, That is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of people. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. That's God's word in the first 16 verses in chapter 16. So we see this song and dance in the book of Exodus. As the people drift from the miracles of God, they act more worldly and lost. That even though they are free, they act like they are slaves The further they drift of God's provisions. And we see in the book of Exodus, God continues to bless. And so do you remember early on in the story in Exodus when Moses, like chapters 4 and 5, when Moses was complaining and debating and arguing and dragging his feet when God told him to go? Do you remember that? Every week, no matter what the message was, there was this, this similar pattern that people would come to me, no matter what I was preaching on. But during those chapters, people would find me after the service and go, "Honor, man, Moses is... About that, numerous times. Like, Mother, I have a hard time reading Exodus and focusing on anything else besides his foolishness. Doesn't Moses see? Doesn't Moses know? Why does he not trust? Why is he not faithful? Truthfully, the complaints of Moses overshadowed the call of God. Like we had a hard time focusing on what God was doing because all we could hear is man's complaints. And guys, it doesn't get better. As we fast forward now to the Israelites and and Moses is being faithful, Moses is ready, Moses is being obedient. Now we see a whole nation complaining. I remember Ashley Carey who was really, really encouraged and really filled with wanting to know more about Exodus. This was week two. She calls my wife and I, week two, we are in chapter one. Moses had not been born yet, and Ashley called Wendy and I said, Man, I'm on chapter 22, and I cannot stand these people. She said this, Hunter, I'm so in in love with this story that I've I've read so far in advance. I'm on chapter 22, and man, these these people, God's people, are hard to stomach that's what Ashley told me. It's the human condition. It is the human condition. Parent, don't you know this to be true? A child will complain at an amusement park and ice cream in his hand, right? Amen. Amen. That is who we are in our hearts. Just yesterday, my family and I we were at Sonic, we had it all, all together. And man, with inflation and all of that stuff going on, like money's just flying out of the wallet, isn't it? And so it's nothing for my family to be out and about and to whip into Sonic or McDonald's and get a drink, get a snack. And I looked at Wendy and I said, look, we got six people in this van and either we're going to have to pick between the van or a corn dog. Like we can't do it all, right? And so I looked at my my kids and I said, this is what we're going to do. You get a choice. We're going to scale back. And I said, if you want a drink, get a drink. But there's no snack. If you want a snack where you're getting water, you get one item. Guys, you would have thought they had not eaten or drinking in days. Like I looked in the rear view, and my whole clan is like angry. You know what I said to them? I was like, hey, you guys are like the Israelites. That's what I told them. I said, you are God's people. And I'm using you in the sermon tomorrow. I told him this. I said, You are right in the sermon. I'm just writing you in there. It's the human condition. Please hear me. It is the human condition. We've got an issue with everything. We got an issue with our jobs. We have an issue with our bosses, our friends, our family, our children, our churches. Our mo- we have an issue with everything, and all of our issues are justifiable. It is our country. You have so many freedoms here. But because everybody gripes and everybody complains and everybody is frustrated, no one even focuses on any of the freedom because we're all angry, right? And so my kids are in the van frustrated that they can't get a Coke and a corn dog and it overshadows the fact that they're even getting anything. It's God's people. That is the Israelites. And as I said, prepare yourself. We're about at the midway point and it doesn't turn a corner anytime soon. They don't become like grateful, thankful people. This is the human condition. I said this on Sunday night. The further you and I drift of the heart of salvation in Christ, the more worldly we act. And say, take Hunter Jones, your pastor. Take Hunter Jones at his best. His most faithful, his most strong, his most obedient, and you take the Bible from me. And you take God's people, you take the church away from me. And you take prayer away from me. Hunter Jones at his best will quickly slide to you not even knowing if I'm saved. If you take God's miraculous, beautiful salvation away from being right in front of our face, the more lost we act. And that is what we see. And so when the Passover happened, what did all the people do? Praise God. Then they drifted. He parts the Red Sea. Praise God. Then they drifted. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I don't get a Coke and a corn dog? That's you and I. That is his country. That is human nature. And so now we have with God's people new faith, immature, and what happens? Like clockwork, the people complain. We even see this in the New Testament. This is the disciples, and they were walking hand in hand with Christ. The disciples were witnessing miracles. But if you go and read the Gospels, they were filled with complaints. It's the complaintive nature of the human soul. But I want you to see this. This is what I think most of our downfalls are when it comes to our grumbling of heart. Most of the complaints are justifiable. And so we look at the Israelites and we go, a bunch of ungrateful sissies, right? But really, let's look at it. Any of you guys ever been in slavery? I'd probably be grumbling too. Any of you guys ever taken the 40-year route and not the two-week route, walking along the heat with nothing to eat or drink? I'd probably complain too. Any of you guys ever faced endless water and heard an army coming behind you? How many of you would complain? Most of us. But here's the truth. And please hang on this. This is the crux of our message. But here's the truth about your complaintive nature. And our fussing. And all of our issues and our pride and all that stuff. Our hearts. Most of our grumbling, most of our complaints, most of our issues... ...are not about outward circumstances more than they are an inward condition. You hear me? Even when you're justifiably complaining. Who wouldn't complain if they were in chains? Who would not complain when they were hot? Who would not complain when they are hungry or they are tired or they are scared? But at the end of the day, what was the Israelites' main issues... Was it the heat? Was it the chains? Was it Pharaoh? No, it was their inward condition. Every complaint, if you dig down deep enough, reflects an issue with our Creator. And so if you dig, if I set you up in front of me and I say, Tell me what plagues you today. What is your problem? What is your frustration? We have a complaint office. I am HR. Come to me. What is your problem in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your church, in your friends? Like, give it to me, right? If you dig, and 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 you dig, at some point, you're going to hit bottom. It's going to be an issue with your Lord. And that is what we see with God's people. The Israelite, what we're reading right now in the journey... What we are seeing is a reality that it was easier to take these people out of Egypt than Egypt out of these people. You understand? Like it was easier to take this whole nation physically. Hey, it was easier to physically take these people out of slavery than take slavery out of these people. And what do former slaves say? They reminisce about how good slavery was. Look at verse 3. I love this if you didn't read it and hear it. What do the people say when they start getting hungry and thirsty and they realize they don't get a drink and cheese sticks? What do they say? And the children of Israel said, oh, that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Saying, oh, I wish that would have happened. When we sat by pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. You know what they're saying here? They're looking at each other going, man, you remember how good slavery was? That's what they're saying to each other. Like we're out here free. We have witnessed miraculous signs by God. God has told us that he has us. To be faithful, we have seen so much, but now my my stomach's growling a little and it's kind of hot. Man, you remember how great it was in Egypt? That's what they're saying to one another. You look at the story, guys, it seems to be their go-to. Every time, think about you, think about you. Every time it gets rough for God's people, they always say this. This is where we see chapters and chapters and chapters. They get tired, they get scared, they get hungry, they get frustrated, they get concerned, they get confused, they get worried. What do they say? Man, slavery is looking pretty good about right now, right? And so this is what I encourage you to do in your own heart. Start digging. So you dig in God's people's complaints, and what do you find? I'm scared, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm fearful, I'm tired. And then you hit something. What is it? I don't trust God. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm fearful. I'm worried. I'm frustrated. I don't trust God. A complaintive spirit. Burdened with all of even your potential justified issues. In all aspects of your life. If you dig down deep enough, it indicates a problem with your relationship with God. Our worry, our stress, our complaints are not against others or circumstances outwardly. They're an issue with your Lord and Creator in all aspects. This is what Moses says. I told you to highlight. Look at verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8, it says, And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for He hears your complaints against Him. Right? But does Moses saying? But what are we that you complain against us? You see that? It continues. Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to be full of. For the Lord hears your complaints in which you make against him. Once again, but what are we? Your complaints are not against us. But they're against the Lord. So many of you believe that your husband is the issue, and your work is the issue, and the church is the issue, and your money is the issue, that health is your issue, this country is the issue. But if you start digging, you start digging in all of your worry and anxiety and frustration and complaints, you're going to hit a space to where, God, I don't know if you're enough. I don't know if you are right. I don't know if you are there. I don't know if you hear. I don't know if you provide. So we sit here this morning overwhelmed, frustrated, offended, wound up, opinionated, and angry. And all of that, if you dig deep enough, is all pointed towards God. I remember about two years ago being really overwhelmed and stressed, anxiety, burdened could not sleep over an issue in my life. And I remember getting to a point where it was physically like hurting me. My mind, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night. And all of this worry and stress and fear, all these complaints in, in my life, right? And I remember sitting down with somebody at its peak and them going, Hunter, you know what your issue is? Your issue when you dig down deep enough is you don't think God is good. I was like, are you listening to me? Like, I'm scared. Like, I'm scared physically going through some things. This is not about God. He goes, it's 100% about God. Because the reason you can't sleep is not about you physically fearing whatever's going on in your life. It is your worry that God's not going to provide. It's a worry and stress and anxiety that God is not good. That God does not hear you. That God is not going to bless you. ...and walk with you. You say that your complaint is this... ...but you dig down deep enough... ...the reason that Hunter can't sleep is... ...I don't trust that God is going to take care of this. Why? Because I don't trust He's good. I don't trust He hears. I don't trust He cares. Same thing in your life. Your loneliness, your worry, your stress, your fear... ...is all directed towards the Lord... ...not others or circumstances... But in God's great patience. And hear this. In God's great patience, we see his character and the difference between man and the Lord. How would you deal with these people? I kept thinking about that. I was thinking about, you know, kids, and I was thinking about life and leadership and the world. You ever have people around you that complain all the time? And fuss all the time. And you think, man, there is no pleasing to you. Like you don't see it. You always have an issue. Twenty-four-seven, you complain about taxes if you won the lottery. You ever have those people around you? How would you deal with them? What if you were the Lord, right? And you had already parted the seas. You've taken them out of slavery. You've provided meat and bread. You've done everything. You created them. and now your people were complaining about corn dogs. How would you deal with them? But we see the difference between God and man and God's great patience. Look at verses four. It says the Lord said to Moses instead of anger, instead of frustration, instead of the Lord going, "You know what? You ungrateful people, I'm done with you. I'm done with you, right? Our human nature. What does the Lord say? the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. How does that even make sense? Would you say such a thing? He says, I heard your complaints. And not only did I hear your complaints, I, I care about them. Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people should go out and gather what they need every day that I may test them. I told you to highlight them. That I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. The psalmist says in Psalm 78 that God rained meat on them like dust. I like that. That the Lord rained meat on them like dust. Winged bird like the sands of the sea. God never abandoned God never gave up with. God never swept His feet up. He heard their complaints. He cared about them. And He provided each day what was exactly needed. But this is what I want you to see. This is a lot of what we're talking about this. Not only does God provide, but He is doing something in His provisions. This is something that we all need to see in our personal lives, in faith, our journey in the desert. In God's provisions, He was testing them, and He was growing them. God is always achieving more than can be seen. And so God was not just giving these hungry people food. He was doing something greater that the people probably didn't even fully realize. So I think about my life. I think about yours. And when you pray, and God answers, and God provides... And you go through struggles. And you go through highs. And you go through lows. And you see God in it. God is doing multiple things in your life in the midst of it. Everything. He is doing multiple things in your life. Brad prayed and he prayed for the Baloos. This is a a, a phenomenal story. The Baloos joined our church. And he came to me they said, Well, we, we so want a child, and they come to the church. And do you remember when we preached on adoption like four or five months ago? It's adoption Sunday. They come to me the next day, they said, Hunter, we weren't even thinking about adoption. We went to the Mexican restaurant. I looked at my husband, and said, What are you going to get? And he said, A baby. I want a baby. We're going to adopt. And they started like that week. It was the most amazing thing. Okay, so we do the fish fry. We're doing all of those things. Hey, about three or four days before the fish fry, they said, can I talk to you in your office? I said, yeah, amen, let's go. We go to my office, and she goes, Hunter, the adoption thing is really going. I said, amen, that's wonderful. She said, but I'm pregnant. I said, you're pregnant. I said, wow. I said, listen, all I need to know, are we still cooking fish or not? Yes, you know? Like, if we're going to put the adoption on the hold, let's cook later. She goes, no, 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 no. I believe that God blessed our family with pregnancy because he hears us, that he loves us, that he cares about us. But I also believe that he's testing us to see if we'll be faithful with the adoption we said yes to. And they looked at us, no babies. Remember, for all my kids that have, all my, my, not my kids who have kids, for all my adults that have kids, you know how, how that first baby was a lot? Can you imagine adopting like three or four months in the midst of all of it? But I've sat with this family three or four times. They are overwhelmed with what? Just seeing what God is doing. I am blessing, but I'm also growing. Will you continue to say yes, even though I provided? It's the same story. I'm going to provide all that you need. Will you trust? Will you be faithful? So God is doing many things in your life. You and I often see one, but God is doing multiple things. Exodus sixteen through thirty, continuing the story. It says, "And this is the thing in which the Lord had commanded: Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of people." Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it until morning. So I want you to understand the test. God says, I'm going to provide, hang with me. I'm going to provide what? Everything you need. Everything you need, I'm going to provide. Well, what is the test? Don't take less than you need. Don't take more than you need. Trust in my provisions. That is the test. So he's providing and he's testing, okay? And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. Human condition. For some of them let parts of it until morning, and made bread worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, and every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest. In your mind, just thinking about the moment, just think about like Sunday. He says, tomorrow's Sunday, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil for tomorrow. And lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So do you understand also the test here? He says, every day I'm going to give you what you need. Take no more, take no less. Provide for your family, provide for those around you. But on Saturday, I'm going to give you so much because it's going to be Saturday and Sunday. But I don't want you to go out on Sunday and do that because it is the Sabbath. You understand? He says, so they laid up till morning, and Moses commanded it did not stink. Nor were there any worms in it. And Moses said, Eat that dead for today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find any in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So hang with me, last verses. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments? In my laws, you take a second. Take a second. This book can be complicated, but it is not rocket science. God looks at these people, He gives them clear directives and says, This is what I'm going to provide, this is what I want you to do, and what does man do? What does man do? He continues to go in the opposite direction. God says, I'm going to give you enough for this day and that, but I don't want you doing this on Sunday. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. What happens on Sunday? They still go out. And what do they find? Nothing. Nothing. What do they find? When they walk out into the world, what do they find waiting for them? Not God. And Moses, frustrated. See! See! Exclamation point. For the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore He gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on this day the lesson guys in chapter 16 behind the quail the meat and the bread and God's provisions and testing please hear me that God hears that God is near that God cares that God will provide and the test is will you trust that God is real that God is good That God loves you, that He hears you, that He provides for you. And the test is, will you trust? So each day, God promised enough and gave directions on how to live. Go out and gather up all that you needed in which I provided. And trust. And trust. So if you're a note taker... The provisions that we see in chapter 16. God was physically meeting a need and spiritually giving a test. Man, I love that thought. Man, when I, when I thought about that, I really started thinking about my life and my journey. God was physically meeting a need and spiritually giving a test. I am going to bless you Financially. Will you give? I am going to bless you. I'm going to meet that physical need. Will you give? Or will you go buy a car you don't need to buy? A house you don't need to live in? A trip you don't need to go back to? I'm going to gift you the Holy Spirit to be faithful to the ends of the world. I'm going to give you supernatural power. Will you bless others with it? Will you trust as you pour out that God will always pour in? That is the test. Brent and I also talked about this, in which I had never really grabbed onto. But you know the Lord's Prayer that we were cited when we were like five or six years old by memory. What does it say? Give us today our daily what? That comes from Exodus 16. Like I read this and said that a bazillion times. It wasn't until this week till I fully understood what Jesus was saying pray for. He goes pray that God meets your provisions every single day and you trust that he will do so. God frees, God listens, God cares, God provides. Will you trust? Hear me. God frees, He saves. God frees, He cares, He listens, He provides. Will you trust? Jesus Christ, fast forward to the New Testament, knew this to be true as well. That everything in our lives and the disciples' lives and the people that he was ministering to was way more about the spiritual condition than the physical circumstances. You hear me? It was not about hunger or thirst or like worry or armies or water or slavery. It was the spiritual condition which was really at play. It's not about your circumstances, it's not about your job, it's not about your marriage, it's not about your kids, your financial situation, your stress and frustration, it's not about your complaints, it's all about our spiritual condition in which Christ is trying to grow in you. And so we see in Matthew 4, we talked about this when, when my brother Wes here was baptized, when the Lord was in the wilderness with the enemy battling him. The enemy goes after what? The physical issues of Jesus. His hunger and his thirst. And, and what does Christ meet him with? His spiritual strength. He said, man, like, aren't you hungry? Aren't you thirsty? And there was no physical complaint. Because Christ sets the example of the spiritual readiness. And what does Jesus say? But man... Shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The God of the Old Testament is the Christ of the New. And this is the same call throughout Scripture all the way to the day. God cares, God hears, God provides, God saves. Will man trust? Will man trust? I told you I just wanted you to flip one space, but I need you to do it. Go to John 6. I want you to see it, please. We can slow it down. Kids, open a Bible. I want you to go to John 6. I want everybody in this church, if you can't read, stare at the words. Go to John 6. This is fascinating, guys. I told you like week one or two that Exodus is so used all throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. The Lord, the disciples, even past in the Old Testament, people reference what God was doing in the Exodus. This is fascinating from the mouth of Jesus. Look at John 6, verses 25. down. The story is, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs that I did, but because you ate the loaves that were filled, right? So he said, You're seeking me because of the physical, not because of the spiritual. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And then Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of the Lord, that you believe in Him who He sent. Trust. He's going to care. He's going to hear. He's going to provide. What should I do? Trust. Put your faith in him. It says, therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform men? You see that? You know what the people say? It's not good enough. Like, what Pharaoh are you going to kill? How are you going to walk on water? What seas are you going to part? He said, what are you going to show me that you are who you say that you are? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, referencing Exodus. Then Jesus said to them, I love it. Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. What is he talking about? From the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. It's like the woman at the well. I'd love some of that water. Where do I get that water, right? And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Can you highlight that? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you don't believe, you don't trust. And all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Last verse. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In Exodus, God provided daily. Bread rained down from heaven, and it was a call to trust. We fast forward to the New Testament in the Gospels out of Jesus' mouth. Jesus teaches a new provision that He is the bread from heaven and all those who place their faith and their trust on Him will also never go hungry or thirsty. I've said it a million times. God is real. God is good. God listens. He cares. He will provide. Will you trust you trust a few months ago to a year ago I was in a swimming pool with my kids and Lila was about four years old at the time and you know that that same parent when you have a three or four year old that can't swim and you're in there and I was like in like five foot of water so I could stand so my feet are planted and I'm sitting there you know the scene and I'm like Lila baby jump jump and she has like floaties on and a snorkel. Like she's ready for like deep sea, right? But, but like, like five foot of water with her with her father like holding her hand, his hands up there. I'm, I'm like, babe, like there's no chance. Like I'm not treading water. Like like my feet are on the ground, baby. Just jump. What does she say? No. Here's the thing. And her complaints are justified. What was her complaint? I can't swim. Like, any of you guys ever skydived? You know how crazy and scary that is? For a child who can't swim, that's what's jumping into water like. Like, if, I, if you don't catch me, I'm sinking, man. Like, like this is not going to be good for me. What is my worry? What is my concern? Dad, I can't swim. It's justifiable. What was her complaint? I've never done this. I've never jumped before. I don't know what it's like to jump. What is her complaints? The water is deep. And so we dig. I can't swim. I've never done this. The water's deep. And then we hit something. And you don't know be hit? I don't believe that my father's going to catch me. <laughs> My daughter's issue was not the water. My daughter's issue was not her ability to swim or not swim. My daughter's issue was not being scared of drowning. My daughter's issue was she did not fully believe that her father was going to catch her. Life, life is not about outward circumstances in which you might even have justifiable complaints and worries and concerns about is about an inward condition that God is growing you to trust in his provisions. It's about jumping. It's about jumping. You know the greatest thing when my when my daughter finally jumped, you know the greatest part of it? It wasn't when she hit the water, it was midair. It was midair. That's what God calls you to. He didn't call you to the water. He calls you to midair. Because when you hit the water, He has it. He is calling you. I am here. My feet are planted. There's zero chance I don't catch you. Jump. Place your faith and your trust in the provisions that I have promised you. That is life. That is life. I am real. I am good. I'm here. I provide. Will you trust? And so right now as we close, for the, for the lost and the saved, that is a situation we work through. For the lost man, if someone's in this room and They have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they're just trying to kind of figure out like how do I live for the world and then also, you know, secure heaven one day. You're in this space of like it is a lot safer with me standing in here with my floaties than midair running to the Lord. You go, man, like, like what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't catch me, right? You're missing out because mid-air is amazing. Mid-air is wonderful. And when you feel the Father catch you, there's nothing greater. Amen. And what we read in John and what we see in Exodus, for those who place their faith and trust in what God promised that was accomplished by His Son, God catches you 100% of the time. And for those who are faithful and they have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they are saved God has provided Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we find ourselves in this place of will you be faithful in His directives? He has gifted you, and He has provided for you, and He has paved the way for you. Will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? Because really, think about your life. That's why we don't give. That is why we do not give. Why? Because in the root of it, we say to ourselves, if I don't give, if I do give, then I'm not going to have enough. Let's perform surgery on our heart for a second. If I give faithfully, if I put God first of my money, well, then there's a chance that I won't have what I want. And you know what God is calling you to? That I am going to provide anything you think you want with something better, something greater. And what if I say no to something that my sinful heart really wants? If I say no and I'm not going to be a part of it, what if, what if, what if? We're not trusting. Like What if I am that man, that husband, that wife? Like What if I'm these things and then I'm not what I want or I'm not enough? And you're too scared to jump where God goes, I'm going to fill that space with great Will you trust? Will you be faithful? Will you follow? Will you be obedient in the blessings that God has provided you? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, as we go in to the end of this service in our baptism, Lord, this is such a wonderful example of jumping. You have showed us so many examples in this church from the babies being born, the marriages The teaching, the worship, the fellowship and community, Lord, we are seeing people jump. So, Lord, I pray for your continued love and caring, gracious arms to catch us. Lord, for those who are lost and saved, that are fearful and scared, and they are being disobedient, And they're being foolish in their ways and their actions and they're drifting from the things that are good. Lord, I pray that you bring them back to that water's edge. I pray that you you push them into jumping into your faithful life of obedience. Lord, forgive our sins. Show us your salvation. Lord, I pray for conviction in this church this morning. I pray that we all look in the mirror. Lord, I pray that all of us, with me at the beginning of the line, that we all look in the mirror and we see that you're doing something spiritually in our lives more than you are physically. That you meet our physical needs because you're doing something spiritually great in us. Lord, I pray that we open our eyes to it. It's not about bread. It's not about quail. It's not about waters or armies or slavery. It's an inward condition Lord, I thank you for your son. And I thank you for the salvation that he accomplished. For the atonement of our sins, Lord. I thank you for Jesus. In your precious and your holy name, the church says in harmony. Amen. Amen.